Welcome to Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw, and I am back for episode six, along with my co-host, Matt Mueller. What up? And Brandon Davis. How we doing? Doing all right. Well, today, guys, we're going to be talking about a variety of things. First, we're going to go and run through some Marvel Netflix news. Hulu has said they're open to some Marvel Netflix projects, if they should happen to fall in their lap. And we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about some controversy going around the anime circles right now. Some other controversy also going around the Star Wars circles, anime and Star Wars, having controversy in their fandoms. Who, who could have ever thought? <laughs> and we're also going to tell you guys about some of the new big TV and movie projects that are going to be premiering this week. And we're going to run through them and give you our impressions and you know, kind of tell you whether you should check them out or not. So, if you want to subscribe, you can always find posts of this podcast on our site, comicbook.com, where you can listen. We have an RSS feed where you can subscribe. We are now on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, all where you can subscribe. And you can always follow us on Twitter at the hashtag comicbooknation or through any one of our uh, Twitter handles, which we will give you at the end. So, let's get into it. As stated, we're going to talk a little bit today. Hulu was kind of uh, doing a little interview in which... They were asked about, you know, what's going on with the Marvel Netflix series. And if you don't know, they've all been canceled. You know, all our favorites and not so favorites. Iron Fist, Luke Cage, uh, the Defenders crossovers that only happened once, Daredevil. And now Punisher and Jessica Jones are looking like they're going to get the axe too. We all kind of expected that with the Disney uh, Fox or the, yeah, the Disney uh, launching its Disney Plus streaming service. We always had a question about how Disney would allow these Marvel characters to kind of still exist on Netflix. We knew there was some deal that they couldn't come to. Now the rights are kind of evaporating from Netflix. And so Hulu said that they would pick it up. And uh, it was said by Hulu's vice president, Craig Erwich. And basically what I want to talk to you guys about is this. Uh, as you, if you don't know, Hulu is another place where Marvel kind of puts content through ABC in those connections, but um, they have runaways right now. They don't have a lot else. Would that be kind of a viable plan? Like aside from all the business legalities, do you guys think these Marvel Netflix series should continue and be continued on something like Hulu? Or do you think that they should just kind of revert back to Marvel? And we've heard details that say they would have to maybe be off the air for about two years from the end of each series before they could make a comeback? And then would you like to see them kind of relaunched under the full Disney Marvel MCU banner? So so here's the thing. I would love the idea of getting to see more Daredevil because I, I, I heard yeah, I that show. I should add, you, should, you can pick and choose totally. Yeah, I, I would like to see more Daredevil uh, because I would like to be able to go to one streaming network for Golden Girls and Daredevil, both on the same <laughs> network. Hulu has the rights. Don't look at me that way. So, <laughs> so I, I would love I to do that. Help but do that. I would love to be able to watch those in the same place. However, with a two-year gap, because there is some kind of you know we don't know the exact language of the contracts, but there is something that you know keeps it. You have to keep it off the air for a certain amount of time. At that point, I'd rather it just go back. It makes more sense for it to go back to Disney. Let them do something else with these characters. Either put them in their MCU or develop shows around them. But I would love for someone else to be able to pick it up. I just don't think it's feasible, and if we have to wait that long, eh, might as well. Let, it go. Let me follow up with a question then. So if they do go back to Disney and they kind of either give them new seasons of these shows or work them into the MCU some other way, 
would you need it to be the same actors in the roles or would you expect kind of a reboot? If it's a continuation of the story, I mean, I want to see the same. No, I'm saying the series don't come back. Oh, well, if the series come back, obviously the same series. Sure. But if it's just Luke Cage, Daredevil, all these characters are now, Punisher are going to be in and around the MCU and other places, what would you do? I mean, if you're... It's, I mean, if it's a continuation, same actors. If it's not, reboot it completely. I don't want to see a um, Terrence Howard, Don Cheadle situation for Daredevil or Punisher. I, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not, I think it'd be fine to see them reboot it if there is a break. If you're going to uh, take these shows away from us, I don't want to see like a loose continuation. I want either all or nothing. So either fully continue this based on what it was and introduce these actors as those characters to other characters in the MCU from the big screen or just completely scrap it all because most people who watch Marvel movies probably haven't seen these shows. I would imagine the movie going audience is very different from the Netflix watching audience. At least the, the Venn diagram there must have a huge portion that doesn't overlap. So I don't think they'll lose anything by recasting and rebooting and I'd be fine with it. I want to see Daredevil on the big screen. I can't really imagine the Punisher interacting with the Avengers in a PG-13 environment, but I could see a reboot of Daredevil being PG-13 and fitting into the MCU's mold somewhere down the line. Ugh, I don't want that at all. Uh, I mean, I don't... like Because I've seen what the other side of the mountain looks like already. I've seen... Oh, stop. You're seeing I've seen Daredevil. No, I've seen... No, not that. No, I've seen like what Daredevil looks like on Netflix. Oh, that's a yeah. great show. I've seen what yeah, no, Daredevil's great. Daredevil, and I love the Punisher, man. So I don't want that. Yeah, I love in Punisher too, just to fit in the MCU. Listen, like I've seen that. Punisher was my favorite Marvel character growing up, and he's not anymore. But I still love him. And I love John Bernthal. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't yeah, so. see. And like, see, here's the thing with me. I think it's kind of a pick or choose. Like I could see Danny Rand and that whole Iron Fist wing getting rebooted totally. Have to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, it it's harder to see the Punisher be detached from John Bernthal. It's impossible for me to see Jessica Jones exist in any yeah. kind of Marvel live action without Kristen Ritter. Like it, it, it's that's just how kind I feel a, about Charlie Cox. Yeah. I, exactly. I don't want that Charlie Cox. Away. I'm kind of eh, about like, I love Charlie Cox. I'm yeah. not, I'm not crapping on Charlie Cox at all. I love him, but I think Daredevil is primary selling point is the mask and the costume. Kofi's mm-hmm. crapping on you, Charlie yeah. Cox, by the okay. way. Okay. So somebody who looks good in that mask and costume could still fill, fulfill that role. I think somebody like Luke Cage and uh, Jessica Jones would be two of the hardest to kind of recast. Same with John Bernthal's Punisher. I don't think they'd have any role. problem. I don't think Marvel Studios would have any problem. If they wanted to bring them to the big screen, they no, would. No, I don't think Marvel Studios would. Like, I could see, yeah, they would definitely pull, like, Jessica Jones or Luke Cage for, like, a new Avengers kind of relaunch or something like that. But I'm saying the fandom would have a major problem with yeah. it. I mean, Jessica Jones struck a major female audience before talk of Wonder Woman or Captain mm-hmm. Marvel was ever in the air. Same with a black audience and Luke Cage. Like, I just feel the demographics those characters hit. Like, the audiences. Even and then Iron smaller. Fist went and tapped into the Asian. Oh, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that went well. Uh, that's, yeah, but I think it was, I mean, I just think it would it would be much harder. But in any event, we're not going to get too hung up on this because those shows are never probably going to Hulu, like, nope. if anything. If they go to Hulu, they better also go to Disney+. Plus. Exactly. Like, if you're going to stream Put one, it all in one place. Yeah, give me, I'm going to be at a, honestly, I'm going to get a Disney Plus subscription. Like, let's just face it. Yeah. Uh, Hulu is kind of my least favorite of all this. I'm curious. So I love many, Hulu. How many streaming services right now do you have? 
just Active Netflix and Hulu and PlayStation View. Let's see. I have. I mean, if you count like your cable provider and everything that I canceled that, cable. I wow, keep it. I keep work. cable. I have Netflix. I have Hulu. I have Prime. I think that's it. See, I have all those plus WWE Network. I have WWE Network. Okay, so there's okay, another one. So I mean, plus all... uh, I'm going to have a Disney Plus account. Yeah, I'm going to definitely have a Disney yeah. Plus. Uh, it's all, it's been... going to be more expensive than cable soon. The thing I'm just yeah. kind of tapping out on is this whole Warner Brothers streaming service. Oh, I don't care. About DC that. Universe. <laughs> and I'll say, we're going to be talking some Doom Patrol later, and DC Universe has justified its existence to me. But, like, yeah, this Warner Brothers thing is crazy. But, okay. Anyway, you guys can let us know your comments on this and what you guys want to see happen with these Marvel Netflix shows. We'll talk about it with you guys online. Hashtag Moving comic right book along. nation. Hashtag comic book nation. Moving right along. We're going to talk some uh, anime controversy. So right now over in anime, some big things are happening. And one of the biggest things is uh, definitely Dragon Ball Super is probably, I mean, it's billion-dollar earner. It's gotten more worldwide fame over the last year than it's probably ever had in its, like, 30-year run. And that's culminated with a big movie, Dragon Ball Super Broly, which is crushing the box office, has earned over $100 million, you know, opened at number three here in the U.S., which is kind of unheard of for an anime movie. And it's really changing the game. Well, Broly, if you do anything about Dragon Ball lore, and I'm a, a deep Dragon Ball fan going back to like the late 80s, early 90s, when I first saw a Dragon Ball movie broadcast one random night on my local affiliate and tried to tape it and only got like three quarters of it. So this has been a big culmination. Broly is one of the biggest characters in the franchise uh, going back to the early 90s. And the voice actor who first brought him to life in the English dub found himself in a bit of controversy. Vic Mignogna, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. It's M-I-G-N-O-G-N-A, you, however you pronounce that. We'll just call him Vic M from here on out. Yeah. Basically, he was the original voice of Broly. He's the voice of Broly in Dragon Ball Super Broly for this rebooted version. And so basically, he just got a job bringing back one of the most iconic characters in the franchise and set that character up for a future in this franchise. Yeah. And then he just got hit with a bunch of allegations of inappropriate sexual behavior from other voiceover colleagues and fans uh, who he's met at conventions, hmm. kind of across the board. Is this like stuff that happened while working on this movie, while working on Broly? Um, I'm not. I think it started just as like one person during the press tour for the movie, and it just snowballed like... It was people from, I mean, up and down all but over the place. The, the the timing of like when he's being accused of doing these things, the time when he did them. It's it's throughout his career. He's a long-standing voiceover actor with a huge resume, including a lot of, I mean, this guy's yeah, like an anime movie. resume alone just like goes back and, and includes things like Full Metal Alchemist, Neon Genesis, Evangelion. Who was he in Full Metal Alchemist? Uh, Edward Elric. Yeah, what? He's, he's the main dude. Yep. This creepy son of a gun. Yeah, no. Like, yeah, when you get into it, it messes with your like whole childhood. Oh. He's in fairy tale. Like, Thank yeah, you, I mean, next. he's he's in a ton of stuff. This is a major voice actor, <laughs> specifically, and not just specifically. He was Marvel. He was in the Marvel Wolverine anime, like a bunch of stuff. Naruto. Like, yeah, he's been all over One Piece, like all over the place. So this is a major figure in the anime world, in the kind of English dub voice actor world. And this is a big deal. So basically, Funimation cut ties with him. 
He's kind of lost out on all his roles, and he's taking it in stride. I mean, he's not doing the denial thing. He's just issued a letter that basically says he's got to go and do the counseling thing and get himself right, and he's sorry to the people he hurt. And, you know, we usually don't address these kind of controversies all that much, but this was a big deal. We haven't done a lot of anime, but we have a major anime presence here at Comic Book, and yeah, so this was a big story. And the reason I bring it up is just weirdly ironic that, you know, Dragon Ball Super Broly has this massive success that has now kind of resulted in this massive controversy. So, Well, there's nothing ironic about that. The timing isn't a coincidence. No. I People mean, didn't just come out because he wasn't no, no, famous no. anymore. No, no, no. But it's... It's just always with the success that something, you know, the underside of success. I mean, do you think it taints the movie? In well, it's kind of his own fault. Yeah. As oh, far as the underside whoa. is concerned. Like, yeah, definitely <laughs> his own fault repeatedly from what yeah. I'm like, yeah, hearing. I don't think it taints the movie. Um, no. If you know anything about, I mean, anime fandoms are really particular, especially when it comes to voices. Like Dragon Ball has some iconic voices. Sean Schemmel, uh, Christopher Sabat as Goku and Vegeta. These are not easily you know, replaceable Replace. things. So Broly, I mean, and he just gave his most extensive performance because this new movie made, gave a lot more personality to Broly. So this is a big deal. So yeah, let us know what you guys uh. think about all this. And if you guys know any voice actors who could maybe continue, cause Broly has a future in Dragon Ball now, but he's going to need a new voice. So let us know what you think. We'll be uh, listening for your thoughts on that. Hashtag comic book nation. All right, stay tuned because we're going to talk about, the recent controversy that just happened over the future of Star Wars, and we're going to review some big new shows and movies coming out this week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, let's talk Star Wars. So, uh, Star Wars, we've been kind of coming back to this because we're all still waiting for a lot of details on the upcoming Star Wars Episode Nine. But beyond Episode Nine, which will finish off the Skywalker saga in this sequel trilogy, it was announced that there are other projects in the work. The Game of Thrones guys are working on a Star Wars project that uh, many people are probably hoping are something like Knights of the Old Republic or something Game of Thronesy meets Star Wars. Um, but Last Jedi, the Last Jedi director, Ryan Johnson, was also kind of assigned to be working on a new trilogy that is not in any way connected to the Skywalkers and is something completely new for the franchise. Uh, this was exciting when Last Jedi was coming out, and then it turned infamous after Last Jedi arrived and people started <laughs> hating on Ryan Johnson and he got all these social media backlashes. People were trying to make their own Last Jedi, oh, good, the Invo Sill cut thing. or whatever it was. And, you know, he's had to live under that shroud of kind of dark fandom backlash. So, article came up yesterday, and the rumors started circulating that he was leaving the franchise and was done with this new trilogy he was working on. And I think it circulated a lot because people thought, like, maybe he's just done, you know, after the Last Jedi experience and having to deal with that toxic yeah. fandom, that he was just probably like, you know, F it, I'm hanging it up, and I'm out of here, and, like, I'm out. So, I mean, that kind of went up and it started caught on, catching on like wildfire. But 
Big twist, major twist. It turns out Ryan Johnson himself stepped in, and this guy, I mean, I love Ryan Johnson because aside from his the movies he directs that I like, like Looper and um, The Last Jedi, he's also just a great social media. I presence. love his social media. Like, yeah, he is not afraid to just go down into the troll cave and you know mix it up with the trolls, and he came and he confirmed that, what was the site that said it? Like, bro, super bro. Super bro. News or something like Super that. Super bro movies. <laughs> oh, man, we just endured, we just gave you a major shout-out. That's a good traffic bump for you. But he came to them and just kind of like <laughs> tongue-in-cheek just let it know that like while this was just this was just an internet rumor, and he is still hard at work at on kind of planning this new trilogy. Yeah, son. Boo. So I want to ask you guys how you feel about this. Were you – I mean, because some people were happy. I mean, immediately they heard, like, Ryan Johns is not here. And I think that's part happy. of the reason it caught on, because you had a yeah. group of people that were like, finally, yes, this we've been like, heard. Yeah, the schadenfreude hashtag. We have the like, yeah. $500,000 we raised in our, in our By the way, can we just say that I just said the word schadenfreude completely correctly and, you know, caveat. Can we hear you say footage? No. No, you cannot. Mm. The people don't know about this yet, and we are not going to reveal to them. Do you, do you notice? That? I didn't bring that up. No, I know, I know. Boom. I know where the shade. You brought it from. up on Twitter. I'm trying to. I know appeal. where the shade's coming from. Kobe brought bring, it up on Twitter, yeah, so it's not it even. It's Back not to shade. the point. <laughs> Ryan Johnson. Yes, yes, yes. Ryan Johnson. So yeah, a lot of people were happy. They thought he was going to be not yeah. involved with the franchise, and they were celebrating. And now they're kind of. Feeling blue because you got Shyamalan. Yeah, <laughs> you did get Shyamalan. So, are you guys happy? How are you? How are you each feeling about it? I think I was pretty clear. BD does not like this. I don't really care. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought I didn't like the Last Jedi. So, and I feel like anybody who was behind the scenes and was like, "This movie might be pretty good," and allowed it to happen, just should reevaluate. Like, who? thought those ideas were okay. The Canto Bite stuff was some of the worst cinema oh, I mean, I've ever Canto seen bite, in my life. Nobody, nobody defends the Canto Bite. Guess what? You gave the guy three more movies after he put that in his. There's a part of that movie where Ray kicks three people with one kick. She kicks one, but three go flying. There's a part where a lightsaber, dis- not a lightsaber, whatever those those Laser those guards, the uh, Snoke's yeah. guards use, they just disappears. He, w- he must have just been like, well, we're running out of time, so let's just use it. And this is Star Wars. So they had they had all the money in the world to make this movie. You know what? I'm done. So if you weren't clear on Brandon's thoughts before, (laughs) you know the Last Jedi was okay. It was okay. It was a really good. I think it was good Star Wars, except for the Cantor. What was good about it? We're not going to fight about the last. We're not doing this. What? Hold on. What did Ryan Johnson do with the Last Jedi that makes you want another Ryan Johnson Star Wars? movie? Uh, unique, beautifully cinematic things that have never occurred in a Star Wars movie before. And he subverted Mm. Star Wars, subverting expectations in online fandom culture. And that's just a couple things. So I mean, yeah, and a compelling, (laughs) and a compelling, and one of the most compelling Star Wars stories in terms of. A ticking clock, a real danger, and stakes. This movie is just one long chase scene. What do you mean stakes? Literally nothing happened. The stakes are there throughout the movie. These people are trying to literally stay one step ahead of death (laughs) and like get this all worked out. And then the ships, they went from having 20 ships to one ship, and that's it. But all the people are on board. All the characters we care about are on one ship. Mark Hamill, like a cosplayer at Comic-Con, thought he was funny and brushed his shoulder off like a deleted SNL sketch. Oh, that part was so cool. That was so bad. That was that part of the movie. I almost walked out. When he scrapes his foot against and you see that it doesn't, like, oh, come on. When There's he so- brushed his shoulder off, 
That was so. Yeah. I loved it. First of all, what was even? A, what could have even been on his shoulder if he if things couldn't touch him because he was a force projection? How was there even something on his shoulder to brush off in the first place? Wow. You pay video games where people pay money to be able to do that kind of stuff. What's wrong? Like with taunts. Like, there was, there shouldn't know. have been anything on his shoulder. We're, okay, so send he's a all Jedi. Your he shouldn't brag. Star Wars fans. Got hot You can send it. You can send all. You can discuss Last Jedi with him. Me and Matt are on board. Yeah, I didn't have to say anything. I'm going to end this by saying I am looking forward to what Ryan Johnson comes up with next. I'm still going to watch. I think this last episode nine is possibly setting the stage for there to be. There's been rumors of a new threat coming from this unknown regions of space that could unite Kylo and Rey. Possibly, I wrote a whole theory about it today. You can read up on that, but no, no, no. if Ray, Ryan Ray Johnson's Blunt. taking nice on that, what comes next, I'm excited for that. I will be there. I agree. I much, there. Apparently in a much quieter theater without Brandon Davis. <laughs> I will, I'm, I'm going to watch Throw the movies. Like, let's face a fact there. I'm still going to watch them. Throw in shade. All right. Oof, let's man. move on to our reviews of the week. So some big things are kind of opening up this week. Uh, in theaters, we have a big anime adaptation in Alita. Battle Angel, which is an adaptation of a very um, older and popular manga slash anime. Um, it was called Battle Angel or Alita Battle Angel. And it has to do with a future where a lot of humans are enhanced with cybernetic augments or parts or walking around in cybernetic bodies. And giant eyes. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about that. <laughs> I've seen the film. Brandon Davis saw the film and got to go on set and do some motion capture. Work. Oh, that's yeah. right. I forgot. Yeah, that's yeah. So you got cool. to have some fun. Um, it was made by uh, Robert Rodriguez mm-hmm. and produced by James Cameron, who has had an interest in this Alita Battle Angel property for many years. And now we finally have the film. So Brandon Davis reviewed the film. Uh, what'd you give it? Three out of five. Three out of five. It was take us through your impressions. Mm, It was okay. Um, Well, the the, like the effects of the movie and the action of the movie were better than the movie. I think the the movie. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's definitely a spectacle driven. Yeah, experience. It's it's beautiful, and the the effects are just tremendous. But I think the movie's ideas were too big for itself. Took they were they couldn't contain the ideas. They couldn't focus on one thing. I didn't care about anyone. I didn't like. There's a spoiler alert. There's one character towards the end of the film who I watched die twice in the same ten minutes, and I didn't care either time. I, I, I neither time was I like, oh damn. But so that's kind of. But I was more interested in the world and just watching the action of it. And I would have liked to see a little bit more of the father daughter relationship. I think that was interesting. Um, and I just I, what really tipped me over on it was the ending just that very last shot uh i was i remember there was about i didn't know there was about 15 minutes left but i looked at my watch and i was like man we've been here for about two hours there's still a lot that has to happen and then it gets to the part where the whole movie is supposed to happen and it just ends telling you like yeah we're so confident we're gonna make a sequel with this movie that it was okay mm. i was like really okay but no it's not bad. It's I, I would recommend it to people who enjoy that type of film and who like the manga. I would say you will really enjoy it. Uh, to the average moviegoer with not a lot of information, not a lot of knowledge about it, I think they will have a much harder time enjoying it. They will get lost in... It, it's a little... even they call, they call themselves hunter-warriors. Like It's kind of cheesy if you aren't familiar with why, the, with the source material and why they went with that. It works if you are willing to embrace it but to the people going in expecting 
an Avatar or like a Christopher Nolan type epic or something. I don't know. They're they're not. It's not either of those. I'm going to simplify what BD is saying. For my impressions are, I think that the world is really interesting. Is probably the most interesting about this Agreed. film. Um, just this world where people are walking around with all these cybernetic enhancements and how that changes culture. There's an upper world in the sky and then everybody kind of living in the slums below. That dystopian kind of vision we've seen before, it's something that's like an altered carbon also uh, and different kind of... Sure, there's a Final Fantasy that has that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big <laughs> thing of Japanese like anime, yeah, manga influences. It's, it's a common trope. I was 13, my bad. I think though... The effects of the movie are great. I think the Alita character, who is uh, played by, was it Rosa Salazar? That's right. Yeah, she. that's a good job. And is a very intriguing character to watch on screen. And I think a whole movie about her and her struggles would have been great. Where I think Alita really kind of fell apart for me is in the love story. There's a love story between her and a ne'er-do-well street guy who rides a bike. And it's just like... This is a movie about like female empowerment, about a young kind of girl of unique power discovering who she is, both literally because she has no memory and figuratively, and kind of becoming her best self. And it's like, we have to constantly take these timeouts for this kind of weird CW teen <laughs> romance with cyborgs and like even kind of weird conversations with teenage kids who are cyborgs starting to figure out if they can even bang or something like, and there's a reference to that. <laughs> I mean, like, even oh, like female work, empowerment like, argument aside, just because that argument just comes up every time you get a movie with a girl in it now, that it just wasn't interesting. No, it wasn't interesting. That part of the movie wasn't and it didn't interesting. Fit whether the character like yeah. this, this girl was like had a whole thirst for life, and she met one dude in like, and then it's just like thirsty for this dude, and it and it came off just weird. And some people have been calling this movie sexist. I don't know if I agree with that, but it is just I don't like see how it's sexist. They they I don't know. I don't don't know. Well, let's not open that can of worms. That's something for the dark realms of Twitter. But it is a whole thing that kind of came up. But I do think it was kind of weirdly. Oh, I want to say outdated to make her and this boy and her focus on this okay. boy the center of the movie because there's so many other interesting relationships and things going on. Her quest for self-identity, much more interesting. Her relationship with Christoph Waltz's uh, doctor character, her father figure, much more interesting. Her past being teased a little bit. Yeah. I would have liked to see more of that. That's what I'm saying. The self-identity yeah. is just her yeah. figuring out her is a movie. Like, you didn't need to have this kind of dude thrown in because that's where the movie kept losing all steam. It's like something cool would be happening. Then let's take a time out for an awkward scene with Alita and this dude. And there was multiple plot twists in the second and third acts. And I didn't really care for either of them. No. Neither of them really hit me in a way that I was like, oh, I cared about this character. I'm shocked. And And I should have been. Without saying any spoilers, like ultimately this romantic angle of the movie plays no part. Like, yeah. I mean, in the overall theme, you could take it out completely. Yeah. Oh, you could have cut it completely. Mm-hmm. And not There's only scene, still had a good movie, you would have had a better movie, arguably. There's a scene in the trailers where uh, they're in like an arena. Yeah. And, Motorball. Like, Motorball. Okay. That so, stuff was awesome. Okay. Because yeah. that looked fantastic. No, that's all actually of that what stuff almost sold me on it. Looks fantastic. And like, and that's a perfect example. There's a motorball sequence where she steps up into the big leagues of motorball and she's trying to earn like some money so they can, her and this guy can kind of get out of there. And, oh, but it's tied to him. It's yeah. It's tied to the person. And, okay. and he's in danger at the time. And so she has to kind of skip out of this whole Austin Motorball sequence and get into this sequence of kind of going and trying to help him, which 
it, it just kind of loses steam very The scene where she was literally willing to die for him by pulling, taking out her heart, like yeah, pulling yeah. her own heart out, that was yeah, bad. See, and I can see why some people might have reacted, you know, very extremely, I'll say. I think the intention was to show how pure this character yeah, was. Yeah, exactly. But it, it didn't come off. It came off as like... Does it come off s- stupid and naive? Silly. Like, yeah, silly. silly. Okay. It's like... Just, wh- she was. She had just met everybody in this world, Again, and all of a sudden, she in was literally times, willing to pull her heart out and die for someone else. And it was like, yeah, like Wonder Woman did a similar concept, but it made Diana noble. It made her a yeah. better character that she's willing to die and put herself at risk for others. This was just like, please like me, boy. Here's my heart. You can literally uh, yeah. take my heart, and it's just like that doesn't sound great. No, it seems outdated. It's <laughs> outdated for this kind of. If it thing. came out. Ten years ago, we'd be saying something different. I don't think ladies like us that much anymore. No, no, no girls ever like offering me a heart. No, yesterday was Valentine's Day, man. Yeah, swipe through Tinder so much. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Speaking of the dark side, we're gonna keep on moving after that. So, Alita: Battle Angel. We'll sum it up to say: if you're a hardcore anime fan, or you just like high concept sci-fi stories that are kind of slow burn and more about world building and atmosphere than just, you know, narrative or action. You'll probably like this, but get just know what you're getting into. And if you're going to go see it in the theater, I would recommend 3D because the effects and the visual spectacle it is actually definitely lives up to Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, it's definitely really good. Cuz most 3D. movies I see in 3D do not. No. But yeah, okay. Now, this this one, is worth seeing. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to see it, see it, see in, it in 3D, 3D on a big screen. See it in IMAX 3D. Yeah. It's definitely that, that's, worth it because yeah, these photo real effects to create Alita and all these cyborg characters like Ed Screen and all these other famous. I think actors. he was the best part of the movie. Yeah, he was one of the best parts. His character is just awesome. And What's his name Francis. Uh, there's one scene of uh, yeah, I think so. Or, or no, <laughs> he plays Deadpool. Ajax. That's, that's, yeah, yeah, Francis is his name in Deadpool. Deadpool. Um, you got me with that. Him. I just uh, I just was like yeah yeah yeah. I just associate that with him. Also, there's Zipan. a scene of uh, name was Jennifer Connelly in laundry, and it made me remember just how much we all need Jennifer Connelly in more <laughs> stuff. So yeah, you could that. have used more of her in this exactly. Movie. Yeah, yeah. Once he laundry, I was like, we need more Jennifer Connelly. She was a, she was a plot device. Yeah, she was a, she was underused. She's like, I got kids now. Here was my paycheck. Thank you, and she got it. It was something like that. <laughs> movie, look, see it on a big screen in 3D. You'll have a good time. Yeah, good popcorn movie. Now let's move on to something a little more weird, and that is the next big entry from DC Universe, which is Doom Patrol. But since I'm the only one who probably does my homework covering new content around here, I think I'm the only one up here who's seen it. Wow. See, see, see that? See that right there? What he just Shade. Did? Yeah. What oh. time is it, guys? I probably got to... Uh... Ask Kofi how he says meme. <laughs> <laughs> I say meme now. Say, how did you used to say it? <laughs> I don't know. How did I used to say it? You just threw me under the bus. I'm just returning the favor. How do you say gif? I say GIF. Okay. Okay, I'll, I'll cop to that, though. I did say GIF for a minute Ugh. until I met someone, and then they told me the correct way to say it. All right, we're talking about DC Universe's <laughs> Doom Patrol. How do you say Doom Patrol? And this is Doom Patrol, the first uh, live-action follow-up to Doom DC Patrol. Universe's original series, Titans, which turned out to be, I mean, I'd say a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I thought Titans a lot. Yeah, too. Titans was good. I mean, better than a lot better than I thought it would be. And the Doom Patrol episode of Titans was really good. Yeah, it was. So let's talk about this series. Um, I'll just give you my first impressions. The first two episodes of Doom Patrol, especially the pilot. The pilot, I think, really sets the tone for this. It's so weird. Like, so weird, but in a really great kind of way. I mean, essentially, that you just described Doom Patrol in general. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, I mean, so <laughs> Even if there's anything that was ever going to make Doom Patrol into a live action entertainment properly or property, this is it. Um, but they do a good job. It's very well cast. And the first episode is so good about kind of just capturing the weird, oddball nature of it in like some ways you don't expect. I mean, it's very Suicide Squad in structure in the terms of, you know, here's our cast of the team and here's their backstories. It throws in some twists because it shows you something of the backstory, but slowly you begin to realize that like kind of all these characters have their own kind of self-deluded identities about how they viewed what happened to them and how they got here and got their powers. So you learn the actual stories compared to what they remember or think are the stories or what you're initially shown to be the story. Um, Is there one character that stands out for you now that you've seen two episodes? I would say, if I had to, that basically um, Brendan Fraser's character (laughs) the most. How was Cyborg? Because that picture of him isn't good. Um, I'm just getting to, I mean, in episode two, he makes his debut, mm. and he's, it's actually, he's cool. Like, in this one, Cyborg is kind of like the Batman of this unit, is a Batman-type character, and the fact that he's established, he's Which used to his power, um, <laughs> he's used to his powers, and he's kind of a known superhero. So, like, when people meet him, they're like, you're the Cyborg, like, and he's like, oh, yeah, and he's kind of like a rock star. Yeah. And he's cool. I mean, the effects it's, are TV. I was going to say, how does he yeah. look? Because that I mean, he's I'm, just wearing I'm, a prosthetic eye, and his effects are TV, and it's like he's wearing a hoodie, but... When you, you get a pretty motion. accurate costume for that picture at like Spirit Halloween. Yeah. I mean, are we talking yeah. like Smallville? Like, and I mean like Smallville? on October 29th. No, I mean it's a little more advanced than Smallville now because we've had advancements. And like there's a scene where he's actually getting into a fight with uh, Crazy Jane in the, in the second episode. And him using the tech is actually really cool. Cool. Okay. Like producing a kind of a Captain America style laser shield and oh, stuff nice. like that. Like, there's a co- like that all looks good. Do you already prefer him over Ray Fisher? Whoa. No. I mean, I, I do in the sense I like this younger. He's more fun. Jim hates Ray Fisher. Did you not like Ray Fisher? No, I like Ray Fisher a lot. Our producer Jim hates Ray Fisher. What? Yeah. He's I think one of Ray the Fisher most interesting good. parts of the movie. Agreed. He was one of the best parts of Justice League. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think he can carry his own movie. Why? I'm not interested in a cyborg movie. Well, I agree with that. I think I agree with that that they haven't. Seen I him think up he yet. could have a movie, but I think he could carry it. He could actually make Black Hat, and it not be bad. Okay, so that's anyway. Ray Fisher's future of the DCU. But uh, no, Doom Patrol is definitely worth checking out. Um, there's some surprises. This they're not afraid to go there. This is a, even a little bit more explicit than Titans was. Uh, the first episode has some <laughs> pretty raunchy scenes of Brendan Fraser ass as he's. Uh, Ooh. Banging some chick because he was a popular NASCAR driver. It's our Valentine's Day week episode. Yeah, and this is uh, he was a popular NASCAR <laughs> driver, and he was like a celebrity, and he used to be like a really kind of crappy guy who was banging his mate. And there's like some pretty intense sex scenes of Brendan Fraser <laughs> here for so it. If, if you're, I don't here know if you've ever seen Bedazzled. That, you're gonna love Doom Patrol. Have you seen Bedazzled? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Underrated is he film. is he as good in Doom Patrol as he was in Bedazzled? Uh, I mean, better. I mean, that, was, carry, that was top of his game. Yeah, oh, no, wait. he's carrying. I mean, he carries this show. No, no, Bedazz- things- You got to give one hundred and ten percent. No, Come there are two Bedazzled, things that man. carry this show in the initial episode. One is Brendan Fraser okay. and his whole storyline. I mean, he's the focus really of the first pilot episode about him waking up as a okay. robot man and what happened to him and the mystery of that. The other is Alan Tudyk as Mister Nobody. 
kind of who's the antagonist in this and is kind of the one who narrates the show. And so Alan Tudyk is just amazing at narrating this. And they do a kind of slight Deadpool style narration oh, nice. with, about the self-awareness that this yeah. is like a TV show um, without going like overly Deadpool with it. Okay. So like there's great references like, you know, he's talking about one of the characters, um, what's her name? Uh, Rita Farr, Elastic Woman, it was an actress. And so there's whole commentary about her films and what critics would say. And then like, then Alan Tudyk is narrating this because it's a flashback, and he's like, "Yeah, and you know, they're but you know, critics. What do they know? They're gonna hate this show. <laughs> like, yeah, there's things like that. There's references to the other DC movie, DCEU movies, and making fun of them and stuff like that. And like, even saying he's like, "Yeah, we're gonna do a superhero show. What if we opened it like this? You know, blah 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 blah. Don't you want to hang yourself now? Like, like there's like little <laughs> things like that where he's kind of like talking to the audience that make it really fun. And his narration and the way it frames the first episode is just pretty fantastic also thank god they swapped out the the professor or the doctor um or the chief i'm sorry with tim oh, with timothy dalton former james bond who's a much better fit than that guy from the titans episode because the chief from the titans episode seemed like an asshole and like a villain in that scene where he's like screaming like beast boy and i was like that's not gonna work and this one he actually feels like a kind of like a gruff father figure who you're not really sure about. Okay. Which is much, That's good. Much better. I'm Do any of the Titans cross over into this? Uh, no, not that I've seen from, I have a couple minutes left in the second episode, but not from what I've seen so far. But uh, no, I mean, it's, it's just, the first two episodes are really, the first episode gets them out and gets them to do something super heroic as a team. Second episode kind of deals with the aftermath of that. And it's, but it is really good. And I'm kind of just bringing this up because it's coming out this week on DC Universe. I mean, there's other things like Umbrella Academy is coming up on Netflix. I haven't seen that yet, though. But uh, there was a comparison piece today. Somebody wrote up a review of both and said that Doom Patrol is kind of has the edge right now because it's weird, but it knows it's weird and leans into it just the right way. Okay. And kind of plays up that weirdness. So this isn't like a Titans clone, which is was my Who'd big. have thought that? Yeah. Like, who would have thought like Doom Patrol would just come? Well, you don't know. You never know. Yeah. Like Marvel Netflix got a formula. You could say each show was different, but like they just no, yeah, they yeah, they, they settled into a yeah. formula that became a rut. This is not that. Like Titans was its own kind of dark, intense action show, and this is kind of an irreverent kind of comedy action show with like a meta awareness about itself that's really good. Each of the actors playing the members of the Doom Patrol, um, like I said, you know, Frazier. Uh, April Balby as Rita Farr, uh, the girl who plays Crazy Jane, and uh, Matt Bomer and the other physical guy who's playing Negative Man. Like, they do really good jobs with each of these characters, and each of these characters is interesting. Crazy Jane, like, I would watch a show just with her by herself. And, That's and dope. The actress, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch Putting all, all those different personas, one after another, is great. And like I said, what really anchors it, though, is definitely Brendan Fraser right now, and Alan Tudyk are the reasons why this show is succeeding. So, DC Universe... Doom Patrol, check it out. It's worth it. And this DC universe between this Titans and Young Justice continues to surprise. I mean, like next somehow Swamp it's just uh, yeah, Swamp Thing's coming up next. Star Girls in production, like it's just it's justifying in its existence. Yeah, yeah. Bad. I just messed up that whole word. Justifying we almost got through the whole show. And uh, yeah, one minute left, but uh, I didn't make it quite. So. We'll wrap it right there with me messing up and getting tongue-tied. If you want to subscribe to Comic Book Nation, you can again 
go to any of the posts that we post with uh, new episodes and listen there. You can find, and in those same posts, you can find the links to our RSS subscription. You can also find links to Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes subscriptions. And you can follow us along after the show and keep up talk at hashtag comic book nation. Or you can reach out to either talk or, in the case of Brandon and Star Wars, yell at any one of us <laughs> at our Twitter hashtags. You can find me at Kofi Outlaw. Uh, you can find me at Matt Mueller CB. And at Brandon Davis BD. All right. So, like I said, you want to yell about a certain someone, about a certain Star Wars comments, you, you know should. where to find us now. You should do that. But otherwise, that'll do it for this episode. Make sure you come and uh, join us back. New episodes every Wednesday and Friday. Comic Book Nation. We'll see you again. Deuces.